This is Witch. I'm your host, Crystal Kennedy, and together we'll explore the world of magic, mysteries of the universe, spirituality, and so much more. The word witch for me has always stood for woman in total control of herself. Well, I'm far from having total control over myself, but I strive to learn more every day and share my findings here with you. I invite you fellow seekers to grab a broomstick or your favorite witch's brew, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Witch. Hello, hello, my babes. It's Crystal, your friendly neighborhood witch here. Happy Mystical Monday, and welcome to episode three of this season of The Witch. I hope you all had a fabulous last week, but if you had more of a challenging week, I'm here to say way to be a bad bitch and get through it, my loves. Speaking of bad bitches, today's episode is all about erotic wellness, and I have the baddest bitch of them all on today to talk about it. Her name is Nadej, and she is a writer and a sex scholar on a mission to break taboos and help people feel healthier in their sexuality. This conversation is smoking hot, y'all, and I cannot wait for you to hear all of the juicy topics we get into. But before we do, let's talk about the magical week ahead. All right, my love. So let's start the magical week ahead with the astrology highlights happening. Now, as I have said before, I am not a master astrologer. I am by no means a professional in this field, but I absolutely love astrology and think it is so important. And I have found some amazing resources via the internet to help aid me in this quest. And uh, I thought I would share them here with you. This week, my sources for research were astrosofa.com, mindbodygreen.com, and foreverconscious.com. These are truly wonderful websites, and I have included them in the show notes if you want to dive a little deeper. Uh, Also, to avoid making this segment super, super long, I have stuck to the major themes happening each day, so if you want to dive even deeper to the minutia of what's happening day-to-day, astrologically speaking, check out any of the sites I previously mentioned, or sign up for Danny's weekly astrology newsletter. The link to his newsletter is in the bio. All right, so let's start this astrological deep dive, if you will, with the moon phases happening. Um, We are starting this week out with a full moon, and the full moon is all about culmination and fruition, right? It's like the spiritual, oh, pardon me, the spiritual and energetic pinnacle of all of the seeds we were planting during the new moon when the sun and the moon were united in the same sign, and then in subsequent moon phases throughout the month. Um, It's a time for release and letting go, and I will actually give you way more specifics about this particular moon, uh, pardon me, full moon when we get into the weekly astrology highlights a little bit later. Then for the rest of the week, we are in what's called a waning gibbous phase. Um, Once the full moon passes and the, the height of its energy comes to fruition, the light as well as the moon's energy wanes or decreases, making this moon phase a really good time to reflect on what we were doing during the waxing or quote-unquote gaining phase um, and assess what felt good and what didn't feel good. You know, this is a time to tie up loose ends, release what's no longer serving us, and reflect on what new seeds we are going to plant in their place during the next new moon. The moon begins the week in the nurturing and emotional sign of Cancer, moves into expressive Leo, then into practical Virgo, and ends the week in beautiful and balanced Libra. 
All right, so now we know what moon phases are going on. Let's get into what the planets are up to this week. Um, we have a little bit of an emotional roller coaster happening this week, you guys. Um, there's a lot of dichotomy in the energies that are happening, and you'll see what I mean as we go through this, but it all kicks off on Monday with the full moon. So um, Monday, January 17th, we are experiencing a full moon in Cancer. This particular full moon is called the Wolf's Moon. Um, the January full moon is called the Wolf's Moon. Um, and to actually properly illustrate the reason that the full moon in January is called the Wolf Moon, um, I am going to turn to Danny Santos's and I's favorite expert on this matter, Allison Davies, uh, and read a passage from her fabulous book, The Mystical Year. You can also find the link to this book in the show notes too. Allison writes, At the brink of a new year, as the cold mist gathers beneath the moonlight, so do the wolves. Their soft howls carry upon the wind. To ancient tribes, this haunting sound heralded new beginnings and is the reason for this moon's name. Magic runs deep at the height of any full moon, and being linked to the wolf, this one is all about self-expression. These vocal beasts know how to raise their voices and communicate how they are feeling. Communal animals, wolves take different roles within the pack and have learned to work together. At the wolf's moon, consider where you fit in society, what gifts you are blessed with, and how you can communicate them to the rest of the world. I just love the way she wrote that passage. It was so good. Um, so yes, thank you, Alison Davies, once again for being lovely. <laughs> Check out her book. <laughs> um, the full moon tonight is definitely in its happy place in the sign of cancer. Um, the sign of cancer is ruled by the moon and therefore allows us the ability to really tap into the nurturing and harmonious nature uh, of cancer if we so choose. Um, and I love the connection between you know, the, the wolf's moon being a time for communicating your feelings and cancer being the sign of emotions and feelings and, you know, having such a natural proclivity for that around this time, um, that this would be a great time to tap into your own feelings and learn how to communicate them, um, properly and healthily. <laughs> um, it is however, easily to get irritated and a little moody with the full moon and cancer. Um, cancer is, you know, there's, it's the crab for a reason. It can be very moody and crabby at times. Um, there may be a heaviness to this full moon because of all the emotional energy that comes along with this water sign. Um, and this is heightened also because the planet Pluto's influence right now is a little crazy. Um, so the full moon in cancer is opposing Pluto and Capricorn right now. Uh, and this opposition can cause some one-sided, extremely emotional, severe, um, you know, inhibitions and emotions popping up. Um, you know, addictive pleasures are going to pop up. Some self-indulgent pleasure, um, tendencies might pop up a tendency for illness. Um, plus the, the planet is hovering relatively closer to the full moon than it normally does. So it really has an intense influence on these very sensitive lunar energies. Um, we may be drawn to a lot of the power structures in our lives in particular right now, um, where you feel most powerful and most powerless. Uh, take some conscious effort to be in tune with yourself and your emotions today and really shake off any feelings of suffocation and disempowerment that you might be experiencing, um, if you can, <laughs> you know, um, and if any of these things themes come up, this might be a sign for you to assess how you can take your power back and put yourself back in the driver's seat of your life. That's a really powerful way to kind of treat this full moon if you're experiencing some more of the harsher influences of Pluto coming up and opposing it. 
Um, the moon in Cancer is also trine Neptune in Pisces, though. So this trine gives us a little bit of a, a kick in our spirit. It um, activates our imagination uh, and our empathy, and it's a really excellent placement for understanding the arts. Um, we have a very attractive, dreamy, and enthusiastic quality with this placement, um, as well as like fertile visions for um, any creative ventures you have coming up. So, you know, there's good, good and challenges to this day. <laughs> um, Tuesday, the 18th, we are seeing the moon move into the sign of Leo. The Leo moon makes us very dominant and confident. Um, this is a sign of self-expression, theater, stage, so we can expect the energy of the day to be just as big and splashy as a Hollywood blockbuster. <laughs> you know, it's going to be one of those days. Um, there's a lot of creative energy available today, especially in uh, our emotional lives. So anything that you create is going to have a tendency to be a like direct representation of what you are currently feeling and going through. Um, flirting, pleasure, and enjoyment are also a part of Leo, um, as you know, as well as being outgoing and all of those fun things. Um, you may be a little more outgoing than usual today, uh, treating the world as one big stage and the people you encounter as actors in the movies of your lives, <laughs> or actors in the movie of your life, rather. <laughs> um, we do see um, a couple more challenging aspects pop up today, but every good movie has, you know, its challenges to overcome, right? Um, the moon in Leo is opposing Mercury in Aquarius, allowing heightened spiritual gifts to be available during this time, but there may be a tendency to misuse them. Um, our thinking is very mutable with this aspect and we may have the tendency to stray from the truth. Volatile, superficial, erratic, and hasty tendencies may be heightened. The moon in Leo is also squaring Uranus in Taurus. Um, during this time, again, our moods are very mutable and we tend toward, or pardon me, we tend toward being eccentric, headstrong, um, fanatic, maybe a little over the top, irritable and capricious. Um, our corks, uh, definitely pop up and some intense sexuality may pop up in your love life today, but be careful because it may have the tendency to have too much intensity, um, and friction leading to possible fights or separations. Uh, so be careful there. Abnormal tendencies or self-harm could also appear today. So please, please, please be careful. And if you need help, please go talk to, to a licensed professional who can properly help you. Um, just remember that you are the one writing the movie of your life and you have the ability to make yourself the protagonist or the antagonist today. The choice is yours. <laughs> um, moving into Wednesday, uh, January 19th. We see the sun moving into Aquarius. Yay! I love the sun in Aquarius. Happy Aquarius season, everyone. Um, this season brings with it all of the originality, the innovation, the eccentricity, um, the freedom fighting, and radical nature of Aquarius. Um, to me, it's always such a fiery and whimsical season with all of this like spark and creativity, and I just, just love it. So happy Aquarius season, everyone. The moon in Leo is opposing Saturn in Aquarius on Wednesday though. Um, and this opposition can come with some restrictive energies that pop up, um, some depression and melancholy. We could, um, you know, have a tendency to lean into feelings of dissatisfaction, uh, being introverted, stubborn, maybe some insincerity. Um, we may have difficult with tea. Oh, pardon me. We may have difficulty with partnerships on this day. Um, and on our own, we could feel a little lonely, abandoned or isolated. Um, so, you know, on this day, just make sure you're reaching out for help or, you know, 
checking in with yourself, doing self-care, um, lean into the, uh, the sudden moving into Aquarius and try to lean out of the opposition with the, um, the moon and Saturn. <laughs> okay. On Thursday, January 20th, keep your cool on this day. My loves, we have some very intense Virgo energy popping up, um, on this day. Be sure to try and embody the highest polarity of this sign today and have compassion and temperance for the lower polarities of these energies. Um, we have the moon moving into the sign of Virgo, giving us more of an analytical, organized, and critical flavor. We are productive, health conscious, um, work and fulfillment of duties are very highlighted over the next couple of days. Um, so this is a great time to get shit done. But we do have the moon in Virgo opposing Jupiter in Pisces today. And this can be a very combative sort of energy coming up with this particular aspect, particularly with authority figures in the law. So be aware of your temper and um, try to avoid any problems in this area. Um, Conflicts, disadvantages, or problems could also pop up in love and relationships. So, you know, try to lean into the more healthy Virgo flavor and lean out of the more like critical and, you know, combative Virgo flavor, especially with this opposition, uh, with Jupiter. All right. Friday, January 21st, we are going to see the moon in Virgo trining Uranus and Taurus, giving us great attention to detail, persuasiveness, ambition, and original spirit. We are going our own way and looking for new methods doing it. (laughs) We are determined and imaginative, keen to travel, and have a happy hand in doing things on this day. The moon in Virgo is also trying Venus and Capricorn. Um, Our feeling of love is very reliable today. We are adaptable and courteous. We are feeling more cheerful and drawn to the care of our families on this day as well. Uh, The moon in Virgo is also opposing Neptune in Pisces. Um, This constellation can make us very dreamy and passive, possibly a little unbalanced. So just be aware of that. Um, We may not be 100% sincere today. It may be a thing. Um, A tendency towards hypersensitivity, nervousness, and inconsistency are a possibility today. So just be aware of that so that you can swim away. (laughs) Um, Saturday, January 22nd, we are definitely seeing some relief Um, on Saturday with a really big wave of cheerful and romantic energy um, coming in. The moon is moving into the sign of Libra on Saturday, uh, lending us its cheerful, open-minded energy and reinforcing the desire for harmony in our lives. Love and partnerships are definitely at the center of our interest on Saturday. Strong romantic energy is available to us, along with an openness to try something new or meet someone new. And the sun in Aquarius is trying the moon in Libra. And I love this. Uh, this constellation is bringing us overall happen, pardon me, feelings of overall happiness, life success, health, well-being, vitality, and harmony, particularly in the areas of home, family, and partners. So we're going to have a very lovey, lovey energy on Saturday. We are wrapping up the week with Sunday, January 23rd. The overall vibe on Sunday is going to be great for tapping into your mental abilities and productivity. Just remember to stay in tune with yourself and you'll make amazing progress in whatever you put your mind to today. The sun in Aquarius is conjunct Mercury in Aquarius. Uh, This conjunction is waking up all of our mental abilities and donates us intense mental energy and excellent ability to concentrate, good memory, rhetorical skills, understanding of the arts, talents for language, and a keen interest in literature. 
the moon in Libra is squaring Venus and Capricorn on Sunday. Um, this is lending us the possibility of tapping into a strong instinctual life led by um, our sensations. But with this placement, inhibitions of love could arise as well as an, um, as unsatisfactory passions and emotions. Um, possibly some problems in domestic life could emerge as well. So do your best to tap into your instincts and stay in tune and in control. We also have the moon uh, in Libra trine Saturn in Aquarius uh, on Sunday. This trine is bringing us a sense of responsibility, organizational talent, and a sense of duty. We are pursuing goals with care and deliberation on this day, and we could be doing any sort of responsible job very, very, very well. <laughs> There's a lot of um, very good productive energies available on this day. Just be careful that your passions um, and emotions are in control as well. All right, so that wraps up the astrology highlights happening this week. I hope you found some tools that you can use to help you move through your week easily in this segment. And uh, now let's move on to the three-card energy reading for this week that I'm going to do with my lovely tarot deck here. All right, so I'm going to be doing a quick um, mind-body-soul reading for the collective uh, today. Body meaning your physical body and the 3D of it all. Mind meaning the mental faculties and processes. And your soul meaning your spiritual and emotional life. So let's dive right in here. All right. So for body, um, I pulled the moon, which is illusions, fear, anxiety, subconscious, your intuition. Um, and for me, this card um, is a call to rely on your intuition this week. The moon coming up in this position indicates that we have some uncertainty and unconscious fear popping up and, um, you know, in, in pertaining to our physical reality, if you will. Um, you may be worried about finances or reaching a goal that you've set or whatever it is, you know, relying on your intuition is the medicine this week. Um, let yourself feel into a situation instead of thinking into it, if that makes sense. Don't um, try not to make super hasty decisions because, with the moon comes the illusions, right? And you may not have all the information that you that you need to make a proper decision. And you're in fact seeing an illusion instead of the truth of the matter. So really, really stay in tune and tap into your intuition as much. I mean, always, but just as much as possible, especially with this card coming up. All right, moving right along to the mind. Uh, for the mind, I pulled the page of cups, which is all about dreamy, you know, sensitivity, happy surprises, <laughs> all of the fun, fun things of the page. Um, this card coming up indicates a surge of creative flow and emotional depth for me in this placement. Um, there's a curiosity and an open-mindedness in your mental capacities and focus. Um, there could even be a happy surprise or a message for you this week, um, in the form of a creative idea or opportunity. Um, the question for you now is how do you use this creative surge and, you know, whatever opportunity may present itself to you to create, to create your reality in the way that you like. Um, this card also indicates a sensitivity to the energy this week as well. Um, this is also reflected in the astrology. So be sure to check in with yourself often, um, practice self-care, even schedule a therapy session if you need to, whatever does it for you. Be compassionate with yourself and others um, mentally this week. You know, don't 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 let yourself get into any negative self talk or anything like that. Try to keep that dreamy, you know, childlike spirit. Um, all right, 
let's move on to the soul position. And for the soul, I picked the king of pentacles. Um, and this is all about wealth, leadership, business, discipline, abundance, all of those things. So this card in this position is telling me that we will have an abundance of spiritual wealth this week. Um, we may even be called to a leadership role in our spiritual lives or communities this week, whether that is and a spiritual community doesn't have to be like a spiritual community that could just be your community and your spirit is uh, overflowing with, uh, you know, love to give whatever that means for you is is perfect. Um, you know, this could mean lending a sympathetic ear to a coworker or lending a hand to a coworker, um, sending someone a message, letting them know how much you, um, you love them or they mean to you, um, letting the car in front of you go when you're driving, you know, and smile at them and wave, you know, <laughs> whatever that is, it will have a positive ripple effect. And boy, could this world use more positive ripple effects? You know what I mean? So <laughs> go out there and be a force of positivity. So this card is all about discipline as well. So for me, that indicates that you're going to need to stay diligent and disciplined when it comes to staying in touch with that emotional wealth that you have um, this week, especially since we have some intense emotional energy coming up as far as the astrology goes. So just remember your training and stay focused. You know, that's that's kind of the, the lingering message I have in this card, or the last message I have from this particular card. All right, that wraps up the energy reading via the tarot and astrology for the week. So hopefully, hopefully this was helpful. I hope you use this as a tool to go forth and conquer the week like the badass that I know you are. Um, and moving right along, we will get into our audio grimoire entry for this week. And since today's interview is all about erotic wellness, and we are starting the week out with the full moon in cancer, I thought doing an entry um, on a full moon ritual that you can really feel into and get empowered by would be the way to go. So here we go. <laughs> um, this ritual is good for anyone uh, or any, t you know, for anyone or anything around the full moon. But um, in particular, this particular ritual is um, for those of you who are feeling stagnant, stuck, or disempowered lately. Um, I've come across a lot of people feeling like this lately, especially in my tarot readings and around, you know, my work and things like that. So if this sounds like you, then this is for you in particular. <laughs> um, and you will find out in the interview later on why this uh, particular ritual and performing this ritual can also be considered erotic wellness. So, haha, -ha, there you go. It all comes full circle. All right. The full wolf moon in cancer ritual to call back your magic. You're going to begin this ritual by getting in touch with that Cancerian water, G, water energy rather, um, with a ritual bath. You know, it's good to cleanse your energy and your body before you do a ritual. It's not always, you don't, you don't always have enough time to do that. But if you can, especially with this Cancer full moon, it's really, really beautiful and helpful. Um, you can also do this in a shower as well if you have limited time, no access to a bathtub, or you just are not a bath person. <laughs> um, begin by getting into kind of a meditative state. I actually love to put on music and kind of rock out when I'm doing this. So that's a really good way that I get into a, a state of being ready for magic. So that's how I would kind of give, get yourself into the mood. Um, and then when you're ready, you can add one or more of the following ingredients that feel right to you or add your own flair. Magic is all about your authenticity. So do whatever feels right to you. To the bottom of your bath, add a moonstone to connect with the magic of the moon and the sign of cancer, and to bring in spiritual insight, heightened intuition, inspiration, compassion, and emotional stability. 
Clear quartz to heal and cleanse on a deep soul level, enhance psychic gifts, harmonize the chakras, and amplify the other crystals, your energy, thoughts, and the energy of the other ingredients you included as well. Rose petals, incense or essential oils, rose water, whatever you have on hand, anything rose, (laughs) Uh, for getting in touch with your emotions and holding a space of unconditional self-love and compassion. Lavender, again, oils, incense, flowers, whatever you got is good um, for peace, tranquility, and luck. Draw your bath or shower and add your ingredients of choice with intention and reverence, thinking about the energy of that specific ingredient, why you're adding it, and holding a feeling of gratitude for its assistance and lending its energy in this ritual. Once you're ready, go ahead and get into the bath. And while you're in the bath, really let yourself get in touch with the emotions that are coming up for you and the areas of your life where you feel that you would like to feel more empowered. Hold the space of unconditional love and compassion as you feel into these feelings and why you're feeling them. When you're ready, envision the water washing away all of the unwanted, negative, or stale energy that has collected in your aura. I like to personally envision my aura getting like cleaner and cleaner until it sparkles, but that just might be my Virgo rising side showing. I don't know. Um, Once you're done, make sure you remember to take out your crystals and put them somewhere you'll be able to see them. That feels right to you, you know, and then respectfully discard any flowers or petals you've added to your bath. After your bath, light a candle. I like to use a white candle for this because it's, it can be kind of neutral in its energy. It's mainly for purity and cleansing, but I like this as kind of a one-size-fits-all candle for spell work. Grab a piece of paper and write down all of the areas in your life where you feel disempowered, stifled, or suffocated. Maybe even some of the areas that were coming up for you during your bath when we were thinking into all these, or when we were feeling into all these feelings, right? Um, Once you have them written down, set an intention of releasing these energies to the universe to be transmuted with compassion and love. Burn the candle, or pardon me, burn the paper in a fireproof container and envision these energies getting released and transmuted as the paper burns and is transformed into smoke. Now, once this part is over and you have released some of the energies that are no longer serving you, um, write down or even journal uh, on the ways that you are going to replace these energies that you've released with ones of empowerment, freedom, self-love, whatever it is for you. Um, And put them in a statement as if they are already yours. Because baby, they already are. (laughs) Then list your talents and strengths as well. Once you have done this, sit in front of a mirror and say these three times out loud. This this may be a little more difficult, especially if you're dealing with some insecurity, but I promise you this is very powerful and it works. Close the ritual and thank your guides, deities, angels, ancestors, and any spiritual assistance you've had in this ritual. Place the list somewhere you will see it every day and refer back to it when you need some inspiration throughout the month. Be sure to be pure with your intentions and also ethically discard the ashes that you've burned, uh, the ashes from the paper that you've burned um, away from your house uh, to take that that energy completely out of your space. And that's it. That is the that is the ritual for this month or this this week rather. Um, I hope you liked this ritual. And if you try it, please let me know. You can DM me. You can email me. Take a picture or a video. Post it on Instagram. Tag me. Whatever it is, I would love to see if you've tried this and if you liked it. Okay. So moving right along to this week's interview. 
Oh my God, you guys, this week's interview is all about erotic wellness and breaking sexual taboos. And I have the most spicy guest on this week, Nadej. This badass babe is a writer, a sexual scholar, and she has a fucking passion for the re-education of a very misinformed society about what erotic and sexual wellness really looks like and how to empower yourself and be in touch with that. Um, and what that means for you personally, it's a very personal thing. Um, we talk about the insane amount of misinformation that we have been taught regarding sex and sexual health, the importance of erotic wellness, and the many, many ways that you can get in touch with that, feel into it, and heal with your sensuality. The connection between sensuality and spirituality, and so much more juicy goodness. Um, it really is a mind-blowing and incredibly informative episode. And I like I had so many epiphanies talking to Nadej and I cannot wait for you to hear it. All right. But before we jump into today's interview, um, if you could just take a moment and please help a witch out and rate and review the show five stars, um, that would be amazing. You know, rating and reviewing really helps the show keep growing and helps me do all the amazing and magical things that I would love to do with this show. So if you have a moment and you love the show, please take a moment and review the show and rate it five stars. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> All right, babes, I have a smoking hot interview in store for you. So without further ado, let's talk about sex, baby, with Nadej. <laughs> well, welcome to the program, Nadej. I'm so thrilled to have you on the Witch Podcast. Nadej, can you tell us just a little bit, oh, words, a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm so excited to be here. I love the alliteration of your name, Crystal Kennedy. It's Thank so you. perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm a sex scholar. I graduated from Berkeley and I help people feel healthy and empowered in their sexuality. And one of the biggest ways that I do that is I kind of explain why a lot of erotic woo-woo practices um, are actually scientifically backed, really, mm -hmm. really healthy for you, and why it's so important that you don't just visit your gynecologist psychologist, but maybe you also see a sex therapist or some other kind of spiritual mentor because getting connected to our body is probably one of the most important elements of feeling healthy in your sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I find that in our day and age, we're so like, we're taught to kind of be separated from our body. Yeah, um, totally. We're all in the mind. We're, we're really mind focused, but sex is a bodily experience. So, yeah. well, yeah. And like the two should be connected, right? Like your body and your mind yeah. should be connected. And that's, that's why I find that sex is very spiritual as well, which is like, mm -hmm. I think is so misrepresented in this day and age for sure. Oh, I so agree. I mean, the first thing we learn about sex is you can get STIs or STDs. And for anyone who doesn't know, STI stands for sexually transmitted infection yeah. and sex positive doctors. Um, so this is a good way to see if your doctor is sex positive and has any sexuality training. Mm. Um a lot of people will refer to them as STDs, which is what we used to do, but most sexually transmitted infections do not manifest into disease. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of misleading and it's fear mongering when we yeah. use this word sexually transmitted to disease. Um, so anyway, I completely got on a tangent there and don't oh, even remember it. what the point uh, was, but, um, but STIs, yeah, we, we try to say STIs instead. Yeah, because it, you were talking about your, um, like, knowing if your doctor is, like, sex positive. 
Yeah, sadly, um, unless someone has the word sex in their, um, like a sex therapist, right. Or a pelvic floor specialist, um, unless they really specialize in areas of sex and sexuality and the the body, they don't usually have any sex training and any sex ed training that was in their curriculum. So your primary care doctor, Mm -hmm. um, your gynecologist or your urologist, if you're someone who has a penis, these people most of the time have little to no hours in sex, gender and sexuality training. It's really bad because gynecologists um, don't. And I want to do a big disclaimer because I love my gynecologist. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people do, too. Um, The fault is not on your doctor. It's not on your gynecologist. It's on the actual institution that trains these people. People for a decade, you know, if someone's going to become a doctor, they have to do a yeah. decade's worth of school. My love to you for doing that. I don't want to put you down to any doctors who are listening um, or gynecologists. However, there is a huge gap in their training. And so one of the most important things that people should really, and therapists as well, if you're not specifically seeing a sex therapist, they probably have very, very little training on sex and gender. I've had therapists ask me what my sexuality even means. I've had to spend like three sessions with a therapist realizing like this person has no idea how to help me as a queer person um, and leaving. And so, and therapists are not cheap. So that's like $300 worth of a medical service down the drain where I spent sessions just trying to get them up to speed about what it even means to be bisexual, which isn't even that's been around for a while, bisexuality. Right. So <laughs> that's so crazy anyway. to me that that's not part of the curriculum, especially yeah. for somebody like, uh, like a, um, like a gynecologist. And like you said, it's not the fault of the gynecologist. It's a fault of the system for not putting that in the curriculum. Absolutely. Like that, that feels like it should be like, in there. It does. <laughs> you know? But when you take doctors, gynecologists, all those people aside, when we look at our own sex education, so in the United States only, and I think I had already told you this statistic and you totally jaw hit the floor, but um, only 18 states in the United States right now require sex education to be medically accurate by law. It is legal for sex education to not be medically accurate in 32 states in the United States. And we are by, we're kind of the standard, like all other countries are either the same or worse with regards to their sex education curriculums. So doctors aren't taught sex ed and that's horrible, but we aren't either, you know? So it's really a, um, it's a, it's a problem all across the board. And so I, you know, I remember talking to one of my friends who's a very prominent sex therapist in Los Angeles. And she was saying that one of the biggest struggles she faces is she has so many people coming in who experience pelvic pain Mm -hmm. during sex, you Mm -hmm. know, their vagina hurts them during sex. It doesn't feel good. And that she's like, I'm so sick of gynecologist saying, use more lube, or I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. Your partner is well endowed. And as a sex therapist, she's like, neither of those answers are correct. And they're hearing this from a gynecologist. And she hears that all the time in her practice as a sex therapist. And that if people were to actually, what would be a, a more beneficial you know, referral for a gynecologist to give a patient with pelvic pain is to see a pelvic floor therapist because that speciality literally can, um, 
can cure your pelvic pain. <laughs> like, Whoa. like there's actual, and so it's, it's sad because it's, it's really just, um, people not knowing people, not yeah. being educated in it. And frankly, if you're a gynecologist, you spent the last 10 years in school and you, if I was a gynecologist and I didn't know any better, I'm not about to spend another two years studying sex when I just spent 10 years studying this and thinking, okay, I'm good now. I'm ready to make money, get out of debt and help people, which is what I wanted to do in the first place. Right. So it's, um, again, it's definitely not, it's literally no one's fault. (laughs) That is so crazy. It's insane to me, the amount of misinformation we have in this country, not only about, I mean, about sex, about religion, about spirituality in general, about health, about wellness. Like it's, it is absolutely staggering how much misinformation is out there. It's, it's really crazy. And for somebody like, like a doctor who you would think would be privy to that, or would have the opportunity to be privy to that through their training, that it's just not only isn't taught, but isn't necessarily legal to be taught. Like it, it just, that's absolutely yeah. fucking mind blowing. That's it crazy. It really is. Yeah. Because <laughs> sex is so nuanced, you know, like it's such a nuanced thing and it's so personal. That's why I find it connects very, very intensely to spirituality because yeah. it's that mind body connection, you know, like you, yeah. you and I were having a conversation before about this incredible article that you wrote about lube and how like, there's a lot yeah. of misinformation about the necessity of lube and like, you know, penetration before your body is actually ready for it. And like the, just, I mean, and that even connects to birth control of how my, there's so many. Oh, it's so interconnected. It's, and this article that you're referencing. So it was a really controversial article that I wrote. (laughs) Um, The title of it is stop using lube during penetrative sex. And the comment sections were, went, went wild. (laughs) I will say um, the first sentence I think I wrote in the article is if you are premenopausal, menopausal, or postmenopausal, this article isn't for you. And if you have chronic vaginal dryness for any reason, you know, medical or otherwise, maybe you don't know the reason, but you know that two weeks out of the month, your vagina is just not going to get lubricated. This article Mm -hmm. is also not for you. Mm -hmm. For everybody else, um, I think that lube has been Uh, marketed as sort of a band-aid for um, vaginal pain, sexual pain, or dryness. And the problem that I have with that is exactly what you said. It's that I see, and I did this myself for years. It's why I'm so passionate about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Who are you using the lube for and when are you using it? So Mm -hmm. oftentimes you'll, women will use lube just to, because an erect penis is happening in the situation. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, I'm, sex is on a timeline. I feel like sex should, we should be just, pen, we should be doing penetrative sex now. The foreplay is over and we're not actually paying attention to our body. All we notice is that our vagina might not be wet and it's time for lube. Mm-hmm. What really is probably going on is you're just not ready for penetration. Your body isn't as warmed up yet. And we might be using lube as a way to not listen to our bodies and stay mm-hmm. disconnected from our bodies. Yeah. And that I'm really critical of. And, yeah. um, and I think a lot of people need to, to ask themselves again, why are you using the lube? When are you using the lube and who are you using it for? Because Mm -hmm. if we're using lube before our body is ready for penetration, chances are you're using it for your partner who probably has a penis and 
you're not a wrong or bad person. You were literally conditioned to people please in and out of the bedroom. Mm -hmm. So it's something to be really critical about. Mm -hmm. Well, there's so much of that people pleasing thing that I feel like our society is actually realizing now, like with boundaries becoming such a big deal and, Mm. you know, having like self-care and all of these things that beforehand were considered to be, uh, selfish, you know, and like, Oh, you just, Oh, you're just not a good person. Oh, you boundaries, you have boundaries. Oh my God. You're just closed off. No, I'm protecting myself because there are things that I don't feel are right. And whatever particular moment I happen to be experiencing them. And there's nothing wrong with setting a boundary. Like, Hey, that's not okay with me. Like, it's such a new concept. If you think about our society and like, that's, that's why I'm obsessed with you. I feel like you are <laughs> one of the warriors, like breaking taboos. That's what this whole episode is about, is about breaking these yeah. taboos. And it's so important that we have this platform now to do that. Like it yeah. is crazy cool that we actually are living in a day and age where we can be like, um, all of this shit we were taught, we think you're wrong. And here's all the reasons why. <laughs> yeah. Know? I mean, we don't just think you're, we're one, it's not medically accurate what Correct. most people are taught. So it is wrong. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> and then two, um, yeah, you're so right. Sex is so personal. Sex is like the food that you eat. One yeah. person is going to love sushi and another person isn't going to like it. And that mm-hmm. is, that is great. Mm-hmm. you know, and, um, sex is so nuanced. We should really be, and sex is self-care, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. being selfish and self-care, I think is a really, um, it, it is a taboo. It's something we really need to consider because being selfish in sex nine times out of 10, especially for women identified people will make sex better because we're conditioned not to, not to be selfish. We're conditioned to be selfless in ways that, are really detrimental to our mental and physical health. Well, and I mean, I'm sure you agree with this too. Women in general have been, you know, conditioned to, to be giving all of the time. We're giving our time, we're giving our bodies, we're giving all, we're giving our dry vagina to someone and just slapping some lube on there because we're taught that you know, we're, the, yeah. and I think it's, yeah, it's the, <laughs> we know yeah. we're both just stuttering now. Cause we're like the patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true though. Cause we're taught that the other person is more important than we are, you know, yes. especially in the bedroom, you know, I want yes. you know, there's, there's been so many, I can think of many times in my life where I'm like, Oh, well, I need to make sure that I'm ready for this person when they're ready. And that's exactly right. That's crazy. And like when you were, when we were talking about that lube article, I was like, oh my God, light bulb moment. Like that never fucking occurred to me. Yeah. That was the thing I had, that's the thing I had been conditioned to think and do. I was like, oh yeah, like that makes sense. Like he's ready. I'm not, but that's okay. Like, let's just get this shit handled. You know? Oh, totally. Something that my friends and I like kind of joke about. And it's like one of those funny, not funny things. We call it poof China. Uh And it's where, um, it's exactly what it sounds like when you have a raw and like kind of swollen, poofed up vagina after sex. Mm -hmm. And it would happen to me all the time because I was using lube and, you know, sometimes when you use lube, like as you go on in sex, your vagina will get lubricated and that's fine. But then a lot of times it doesn't, it's hard to feel that your vagina is not that lubricated. And then you leave sex with this poof vagina and it's hard to put on (laughs) jeans And, you know, it's not really fun. And I remember being at brunch with a bunch of my friends, all people who have vaginas, and we all just started talking about this poof vagina situation and that we like didn't want to experience it anymore. We were sick of the poof. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And not in a good way. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I do have some tips because I know hearing some like it can it. I think so many people resonate with this topic of like, yeah. oh, my God, I've been using lube and I haven't really been considering that. Like maybe I just need more foreplay. Maybe yeah. I just need things to be slower. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe sometimes it's OK to just not have penetration during sex. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's a big pill for people to swallow of all genders because we are also conditioned that sex has a routine. Yes. Sex is foreplay and then penetration and then orgasm. And that is the routine. And again, that's like assuming everyone likes sushi. That yeah. routine doesn't work for everybody and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And for anyone listening to this episode, who's thinking like, how do I stop having poof China yeah. <laughs> or or how do I talk to my partner who maybe has a penis or maybe is a man and would be very threatened by this idea of not having penetration during sex? Because right. that's so real. And if that sounds like your boyfriend, he's not a monster. Right. Like he's he's just conditioned in the same ways that you were in his own different paradigm. Correct. And is probably just thinking like he has his own construct of being the man. Mm -hmm. But I would say that one exercise that is super healthy for couples to do who, if this relates to you is to have what I like to call erotic play dates. So it is sex, right? But we're going to take the word sex out of it because when we put sex in, we start thinking we have to be in this routine and it probably will take years to unlearn the sex routine. So we're going to have erotic play dates with our honeys and um, we are going to have one rule and it's that we're not going to have penetration. Well, actually two rules. We're not going to have penetration and the goal is not to orgasm. If we don't orgasm, it's okay. This is just an erotic play date, right? Yeah. And um, you set aside an hour, maybe two, however long you want. You can even set a timer. I have to like, it is very, very soothing and it takes pressure off of masturbation or partnered sex to set a timer yeah. because life is busy. And sometimes yeah. we may feel like maybe you have kids and you're just like, well, I can't devote two hours to sex or to yeah. this erotic play date. That's fine. Put a timer on for 30 minutes. You know, the kids are taking a nap or maybe they're on a play date, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and have this erotic play date with your partner. And what will happen because you have decided to not focus on orgasm and to not have, pen- we know we're not going to have penetration. We have no option but to explore each other's bodies to see what else feels good. And I think it can help women who may be struggling with, because if you start thinking, oh, I need to be, I, my body needs to be wet. We're going to try not to use lube. Then you might stress yourself out and not even get wet at all. Right. <laughs> so it's like, it's totally okay to not get wet. There's so many reasons from medical reasons. There's literally over 12 medical reasons why a woman may not get wet. And by the way, two of those are stress and not feeling comfortable in your body. Mm-hmm. So there's just so many varying reasons why. So it's totally okay to not get wet, but yeah, like try that erotic play date. And I would also suggest having two scheduling two erotic play dates because the first time you do it, it's probably going to be awkward. Yeah. yeah. And it's super normal to laugh during sex. Sex mm-hmm. is funny. Yeah. But the first time might be awkward. It might be a little bit like you might struggle. That's mm-hmm. okay. The second time you might get things flowing a little bit more because you've tried it once. So I would say plan an erotic play date have penetration and orgasm be off the table and schedule the have schedule two play dates. So before you even do erotic play date number one, you know, oh, next Friday for an hour, we have erotic play date number two. Right. And by the way, this doesn't mean that in between your play dates, you're not going to have fun penetrative sex or spontaneous sex or whatever. Right. But you know 
that you have two scheduled times to play and explore because that sex is play. Yeah. And we forget that too. We forget that aspect of it, especially when you're in, you know, if you're somebody who's in a long-term relationship or if you're somebody Mm -hmm. who's, who's, you know, even a single person who is like, you know, going out and, and exploring their world. Like there's, we, we tend to forget that it is playtime, you know, cause Absolutely. it's, you're like, Oh, I'm an adult. That's not, that's playtime is not something adults do. But when you say the word play, like for me, when you say the word erotic play date, it takes all of the pressure off and I'm like, right? oh, we're just playing. Oh, we're just having fun. We're just playing. Oh, it's so, and it's so much fun. And I loved what you said about single people. I'm mm-hmm. a single person. So I, to all the single people listening, have erotic play dates with yourself. Yes. Um, absolutely. There is, yeah, there's this really amazing community of women, non-binary people and trans feminine people called the Eros community run by a sex witch called Isabella Frappier. She actually, oh, she's amazing. Every month she, or not, I shouldn't say every month because obviously sometimes she may not do it that much, but she regularly will host, um, I forget what she calls them, but it's essentially a guided masturbation. And that is a really great way for single people who may be also struggling with this to be in a community. You, um, it, everything is virtual. You can have your camera off. You can, uh, I don't think anybody I've, I've been to a couple of hers. And when the guided masturbation begins, people either tilt their camera to the ceiling or they'll turn their camera off. And she has this beautiful Australian accent that is just oh, a delight hi. to listen to. Love that. And she's just like, the ocean is licking you, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's very cool. That. It's a little, yeah, it's a little out there for, you know, but I think it's really, again, have that erotic play, try that out. That could be a really great way to learn how to masturbate because that's another routine that we have been taught how to, you know, and, and I think a lot of people feel like masturbation can't be versatile. So this is a great Mm. way, another great way. So if you're partnered, you could do the erotic play date with your partner. If you're not partnered, check out the Eros community. Um, check, check out Isabella Frappier. She's been on Goop and Netflix. So she's, she's pretty easy to find. I'd say if you, um, we can maybe in the notes. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. We'll put a link to that. Yeah. So that way people who are in a relationship or not can find her and try one of those guided masturbations because it's just a great way to explore. Well, and that's the thing that we're talking about, right? Like exploring your bodies. That's something we, as a taboo, that is something we have really been taught not to do. We have been taught to be ashamed of it. We have been taught that it is dangerous. We have been taught that it will Mm. fucking ruin your life. Like that, that's like the first shit that you hear when you're learning about sex is like you were talking yep. about at the beginning, you can get STDs or STIs. You can, yes. it can cause a That's baby. That's how we got on that tangent. Yeah, I, yeah. Swear. <laughs> I like, I got, I was like, I, was, I knew I had a point. What was that? There's a reason. <laughs> See, There's a reason circle, I just baby. started talking about disease <laughs> right off the gate on the witch podcast. Hey, we're here to, we're pulling no punches. We're ready for this yeah. show. Amen. Like that's, that's what I love about this podcast. This is why I do this because there's, we don't have to be censored here. Like that we are so censored in day-to-day life anyway. And I love that we have a space where we can just be, we can talk about anything. We can talk about like being a witch in general is still very taboo thing. It's so much more open. Like sex is too, like it's becoming more open and the two are so goddamn connected. Like it's, it's just so crazy to me that 
crazy cool that we're living in this day and age where we are breaking down these barriers. It's like, we're tearing yeah. down the Berlin wall of taboo. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. And you know, female sexuality, um, and the repression of witch culture, because by the way, again, like I'm a scholar, I'm here. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you're like, I don't know if I'm a witch. Feminine spirituality has been around for thousands of years. Correct. It is directly connected to the repression of sexuality. Yes, Both of these things are so, so linked and it's, mm -hmm. it's very sad. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so when we boost this, idea of just even being a witch or an enchantress or however I personally love the word enchantress and I, I love I, that that's what I, I totally feel that that's like how I relate to my witchy culture yes, and my witchy absolutely. um my witchiness yeah. but yeah you know the more that I connect to my sexuality the more that I do feel like a witch whatever mm -hmm. that might mean in this modern culture mm -hmm. and it and historically they're so linked and they both were repressed absolutely um, even mid we we're seeing now midwives are like it, they're in hospitals now again and things like that and they're being credited but yes. there was an absolute campaign for about a century that completely eradicated midwives and doulas absolutely. and completely stopped teaching women about their own reproductive health like it was a very yeah. intense intentional historical mm -hmm. moment that was very connected to the Salem witch trials, all of that, you know? Oh yeah. Well, I feel like they, they put the repression on because they fear us and that's, yeah. you know, that's, there's, there's fear that there for the power that women do hold. And like you were talking about female spirituality, female, female empowerment, it goes back thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. Like a lot of the first deities that, you know, cultures worshiped were female based. So, oh, and, absolutely. You know, and it's like, I'm not saying, I'm not, trying to say, you know, ah, fuck you men. Like that's, that's not what I'm saying here. No. I'm saying that there's, you know, both should be recognized. There's a divine masculine Absolutely. and a divine. Because feminine. yeah, divine masculine gods were also recognized and divine gods of, um, a sort of two spirit, which I know is more of an indigenous word, which yeah. can also, I don't think it's the same as being non-binary because there's a spiritual, understanding behind it but that idea of someone is not a man or a woman and that that is also a god that is also a spiritual mm -hmm. divine person mm -hmm. um yeah absolutely and you yes. know i will say too when we think about this whole repression of of femininity and sexuality if you control reproduction, if you control women's bodies you control the population correct so it wasn't even i think a, um, it was people fearing our power. I think it was also just about population control and sure. people realizing that. So it was like yeah. this whole hodgepodge. Cause it's not just, like you said, it's not just about hating men, no. but, um, it's about recognizing that like certain powers that be recognized how to control populations. That's mm -hmm. one really powerful way to control the population. Absolutely. Well, and I, I mean, even the, like the older biblical texts and things like that, that were relatively misogynistic, if we're being totally <laughs> honest here, Oh yeah, super you know, like that definitely doesn't help <laughs> either. So no. it's, it is a lot. Well, and that's the thing, like, uh, and that's why religion, I, I'm not, not knocking it at all. If that is your angst, that is your angst. And I fucking feel yeah. that. But the one thing that I will say is that 
I feel like a lot of people who are in charge of those things happen to have very specific agendas and they yeah. kind of let those agendas bleed into a thing that it should never have bled into. Yeah. And, you know, that is, that is the part of it that I have the biggest problem with being spiritual and being religious are two very different things in my opinion. You know, yeah. like you, if you have a genuine spirituality, then you, you have this innate knowing being religious and having these rules in place and telling yourself like you can't do, I don't know that, that all is, is a little more suspect to me, but regardless. It's tough for me too. I grew up in the Jewish community. I love the religious Jewish traditions and understandings to a point, but being a queer person, I am not really in invited to the party let's say mm-hmm. <laughs> and well, i and you and have I tattoos that. too so you're also oh, not yeah. invited to the party there <laughs> well, listen i got the tattoos after i came out because i was like i mean she's already not she's already not invited to the party so <laughs> like i it's it's cool like I'm, I'm gonna get some tattoos now and i'm a very i'm so deeply spiritual and i i believe i can be a jewish woman and um make that my own Absolutely. Um, Well, just like we're talking about sexuality being such a personal and individual thing, spirituality Mm -hmm. is the same. It's the same Mm -hmm. thing. It is personal. It's individual. It is unique to you. There is no two spiritualities that look the same and they shouldn't. No, you know, it should be your own understanding. I mean, only you walk through the world as yourself. Completely. You are the only person that's experiencing your reality the way that you experience it. So why on earth would you get this like rule book to your soul? (laughs) You know, like absolutely. That just never made a lot of sense to me. I'm like, okay, I have to follow these rules, even though this lot just feels so wrong to me. Like there's that, that just didn't. Yeah. Ever make sense to me. And that there just isn't in some traditions. Cause I know some people who are so open and so absolutely um, so beautiful with their traditional style of religion. But, um, but yeah, it, it hurts when it's like, Oh, I don't fit the mold. Right. And now you're not going to accept me. There isn't Correct. room. And that is also, that is a, a way that I feel like religion does not do itself any favors. I agree with that. Well, because there's, you know, there, there's this fight in between it where it's like, okay, I'm trying to live up to all of these rules and regulations and the right quote unquote way of living. Yet Mm -hmm. there are so many parts of me, like you're talking, even with tattoos with the Jewish community, Mm, you know, you're like, okay, I'm, I, I identify so deeply with all of these traditions. I identify with the way this is being presented to me, but because I, I want to adorn my body the way that I choose to, that feels good to me, that feels right to me. Now I can't even be a part of any of it because of the way that I choose to ignore yeah. my body. That's crazy to me because we're supposed yeah. to be living this existence to the fullest, but then not to the fullest because of all these rules and regulations. Like it's, it's so, it's just so such a dichotomy to me. That's, oh yeah. Absolutely. You know? That's crazy, crazy shit. Oh, I love it though. That's, that's the fun <laughs> of this. So when it is, you, it's important to think about, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the quandaries of life that's, you know, philosophy and all that. Um, so when you got into Berkeley, did you know that you were going in this direction? I mean, you're a double Sag. We talked yeah. about that earlier. Oh, yeah. So like this, Sag this girl is ready rising. to play. You can't see it, but I'm smacking <laughs> the air, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I'm a Sagittarius rising Sagittarius sun. 
Um, Taurus moon. So I ground myself out and Crystal's a Taurus. Yes, she is. So I feel like we can really vibe on oh, our, yes. like, let's eat all the snacks and get cozy. Yes. Um, <laughs> like just give yeah, me snacks I... <laughs> and pajamas and I'm a happy lady. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, when I got to Berkeley, I, um, I was a transfer student, so I did not do well in high school. I left school for a few years, was a waitress, um, was always a very sexual person. Um, I, I always identified a lot with Carrie and Samantha on sex in the city. If anybody watched that, I'm definitely more of a Carrie, but I did try hard to be a Samantha for a couple (laughs) of years. I was like, we are going to hoe it up. And I loved that part of my life. I did. I still access that. Yeah. I still, (laughs) I'm still kind of like that, but, um, I definitely am more intentional with casual sex now, but, um, But what was the, oh yes. So when I got to Berkeley, I was a transfer student. So the reason why I bring that up is because when you do it that route, um, you automatically have to start studying for your thesis and Mm -hmm. and say what your big paper is going to be when you graduate. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, if I'm going to have to study one subject for two years, I don't want to get bored. And sex was the only thing that never bored me. So I was like, okay, I'm going to study sex. And so that was sort of where the academic part of the sex journey began, but I would say ever since I was a kid, I was just always someone who was sexual, who was very unapologetic about that. If you know anything about astrology, you know, Sagittarius's are blunt. We, um, speak our mind. Mm -hmm. Our mind may not always be correct, but you know, God help us. We speak. (laughs) I, um, I, people kind of always knew me as someone they could talk to about sex because I was talking about it and, Mm -hmm. and very open about it. So it started to become an academic pursuit and the science element of what I do came about in college. But Um, I was always this person, which Mm -hmm. is, it's very nice to kind of come full circle. Absolutely. Well, and now you're actually using that experience that you have, because we're talking about, you know, it being your personal experience. There's nobody Mm -hmm. who can tell your story or who can give advice the way that you can because of your own personal experiences and because of the way that you came into this world. And that's why it's so beautiful. That's why I love that. Like your little roadmap, you know, led you to a place (laughs) Where you're like, okay, all these things that I've been experiencing make sense because now I'm in a space and in a a profession where I can actually help and share my experience to those who need it. That's the most beautiful part of it. And I love that you've done that because I feel like it's so necessary, especially right now when when our culture is opening themselves up more, you know, everything that's happening or has happened and is happening with the LGBTQ plus community, everything that is happening with the trans community, the non-binary community, that these things are now not only accepted, but embraced is so lovely. And it's such a, it's a thing that, cause I mean, I feel like you and I are a similar age. It's something that went from being so not talked about and so repressed and so taboo, you know, the watchword for the day that, to see it become something that is not only talked about, but celebrated is looking beautiful. It is the coolest thing to witness, to have this space now for people experiencing life the way that they want to and the way that they feel more aligned. That's so beautiful. I love, that's why I feel like sex and spirituality are so connected you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say we're still fighting so many fights with non-binary and trans people, but it is really beautiful how I have, same with you. I I think we are the same age. I have 
seen so much representation in film and media that has really blossomed with transgender people and with non-binary people Mm -hmm. that is really incredible and really helpful because yeah there there are some real fights that we are fighting um with regards to not just being tolerated but being accepted um being able to even use bathrooms is something that completely is just still debated and it's um it's really quite sad that people are so easily because the, we just don't know we're, we're not educated right like we said earlier yes so people just like the whole kind of trope that I hear often about you know we don't want transgender non-binary people using our bathrooms and they're perverts or whatever and I'm like well the pervert is not the, the person who is trans or non-binary the pervert is the person who's sneaking into the goddamn bathrooms and it is usually just a regular cisgendered guy um who is having his own problems with his own repressed sexuality. And this is how his unhealthy sexuality is manifesting. Um, It is definitely not the person who's trans or non-binary because chances are they are way more connected to their sexuality and gender and that they are not going to be manifesting um, in these, they're not going to be manifesting unhealthy patterns in this way. They're usually a lot safer to be around and a lot healthier to be around. Well, so it's like the exact opposite. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? like, and that's the craziest part. Right. And that's, that's something I've said for years is like it, ignorance yeah. breeds this kind of fear and it's yeah. ignorance uh, from what we're taught and also ignorance from what you repress, because there are yeah. a lot of things like, this is why I think therapy should be a, not only, you know, available, but a requirement, especially when you're in your development years, because, yeah. you, you know, being able to sit there and talk these things out and actually find some sort of common ground or realize these things, have these revelations. If you could do that at a younger age, then we would cut out so much of the bullshit that we go through in our, you know, in later in later in our lives. Because like you're talking about, like, it's this, it's normally a cisgendered person who Mm -hmm. has not dealt with either repressed sexual trauma, their own insecurities or their own desires that they're absolutely terrified of because of where they grew up and who they grew up with and what they were taught that they take that fear and turn it into this rage that's for somebody who's done nothing to them that has no part of their life. And it's just, that's the saddest part to me is that it's like, even people who don't understand witch culture, who are like, oh, you're all going to hell. You're all, you're all Satanists. I'm like, then you clearly have not done your research because being, oh, exactly. You know, like being a witch in general, people make this mistake all the time. Being a witch is not a religion. Wicca is a religion. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Satanism is a religion. Um, You know, all of those that, you know, those are religions, but being a witch has no religious ties. It just means that you work with energy. You can be a Hindu witch. You can be a Christian witch. You can be a Catholic witch. You can be a, a Jewish witch. You can be any kind of witch with whatever theology that you happen to connect with. Yeah, but again, absolutely. like that's the funniest part. When I love the memes that are going around that are like, you know, oh, Christians tell me I'm going to hell, but then we'll blow out their birthday candles and make a wish. And I'm like, mm, like ah, that's, that's fucking so witchcraft. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So it's like, they're, they're talking about things they clearly have never been taught or understand. And yeah. sex is very similar. And it's, yeah. I, I just, I love that we're getting to a place where we can talk about it. And I hope it leads to a place where we actually are informing people more. You know? I think so. I think it is, you know, every little bit counts and every little bit moves us forward. And I love seeing 
even um, Netflix has this, um, if you like scripted, fun TV shows, Mm -hmm. um, Netflix has this great show called Sex Education, which is, yeah. I just started watching it. It's so good. It's so good. And it's not a, for anyone listening, it's not like a docu-series. It's a scripted, really fun, fast-paced show with the drama and the relationships. It's it's very British comedy funny. Yes. they have some great outfits, some great architecture. The house yes. on the lake is just a dream. So anyway, <laughs> if you need a new show to binge, that Taurus is, Moon that is, is coming through yeah. so hard right there. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my God. Always. That Taurus Moon comes through. I'm so grateful for her. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, you also do erotic astrology, yeah. which I am so into. I love that. Yeah. Tell us all about that. Oh my God. Well, I love, first off, astrology is just such a fun way, low pressure way to learn more about yourself. Correct. And, um, you know, read as much as you want about astrology before, you know, you, you get over seasoned and you don't believe in it anymore. Do whatever's right for you. But I love using astrology as just a conduit to help people undo sexual shame because it is just, um, like I said, it's just no pressure. It's fun to think about. And the way that I, um, practice or teach about erotic astrology is I try to take all of the things like you're a Taurus. Mm -hmm. So you are, you probably already know that you like food and you like comfort. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes it can be kind of told that Tauruses are like maybe shallow because they like aesthetics too much or things like this, because they're so into that like sensory experience. So what I like to do is I take, okay, that's your strength. Let's explain how that's also an erotic strength and how someone who's a Taurus is actually probably very good at creating sensory sexual experiences for themselves and others because they're so in tune with aesthetics and that it isn't something that's shallow. It's a strength. And so I try to use, I have a whole line of eBooks of erotic astrology eBooks. Every single one is devoted to a different sign. So you can, if you're an Aries, you can learn more about yourself there. Um, But I go over erotic strengths. I talk about body astrology or medical astrology. This is one of my most fun things to discuss um, because it basically teaches how every single astrology sign is connected to a different part of your body. And in the 16th century in Italy, doctors actually started studying this. I mean, medical astrology or iatro mathematics has been around for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. But um, in Italy in the 16th century, doctors started to learn about this and they started to practice with it and experiment with it to see if it could actually heal their patients. And they, they found great things from it. It is still considered a pseudoscience, but so many things are. Um, however, it's a great way for people who are spiritually inclined to learn where your body holds energy, where your body stores repressed energy and where your body releases energy. Um, and so I, I provide, um, pleasure-based rituals in my eBooks for like each sign. Um, so that way you can figure out just like create a way to release energy or to de-stress specifically based on the body astrology of your sign. 
and your erotic strengths. So I, I really just love to use these books to undo sexual shame, give people something that they can actually do at home. I'm a very, I'm so much about action and action oriented things. Mm -hmm. And I don't just want to teach. Yeah, (laughs) We are an on the go bitch. Um, It's my favorite kind of bitch. But um, but I love to give people, you know, here's some knowledge, but here's a way that you can put this knowledge into practice and begin making it your own. And the point of the eBooks is to really just give people that first step. And then from there, you can start making things your own. Um, And yeah, it's, I love, but I love erotic astrology. I love any way to help people feel safe and comforted as they go on this journey to be a healthier sexual person, because it is not an easy journey, not in the slightest. No. And I feel like we're barely scratching the surface of really opening up what you like to call erotic wellness, which, and I absolutely love that term. I think that is because I I remember reading that in the notes when we were, you know, when I was going into this pre-interview process and I was like, erotic wellness, why has that phrase never hit my brain before? That is so important. Mm. And it's something that like, I mean, and this might be TMI for everybody, but like, that's something that I've been very paying attention to very strongly of like, how am I treating that part of my body? How am I talking to that part of my body? How am I, you know, what am I put like, even with like sanitary napkins and things like that, that Mm -hmm. we use during menstruation of like, I, I, you know, I personally felt that, you know, tampons were no longer healthy for me. So I stopped doing that. And the changes in my body have been so exponential and yeah. paying attention to my cycle and the way that that all, all of that connects and how to pay attention to my body when that happens. And then how to pay attention when I'm feeling sexual. And it's just, it is so much a part of our day-to-day lives. And yet because of the way that we're taught and the shame that's taught around it, it's something that we completely ignore, especially with, for, you know, people with a, who have a uterus who, yeah. you know, who have to been taught forever to feel shame about having a period. Oh my yeah. God, the shame. Hide it. Don't let oh. anybody see it. Don't let anybody see you buying tampons. Don't let anybody see your, your sanitary things. Right? Like, it's just like, I, my body does that. I don't want to feel shame for anything my body does that it's supposed to be doing. Also, right. one of my favorite poems by this poet named Nayira Wahid, it's mm. a poem called Clean. And it says, um, I bleed every month, but do not die. How am I not magic? And <gasps> that is just, right? It is just like, what? and that sentiment for me just says it all. Because it's just like, this is what my body does. I hate that I have to feel shame about it, that I was taught to feel shame about it. I don't have to. I was taught. We can do that. And, but I also hate that it's like, oh, you know, put your little tampon in a little baggie and then walk to the tampon is it's in my hand. No one is looking at my hand anyway, but it's like where I, there was literally a time where I wouldn't even feel comfortable putting a tampon in my hand and walking to the bathroom at a restaurant. And it's like, who is looking at my hand as I walk to the damn bathroom in this damn restaurant. Right. And it's not like if the tampon is in a white wrapper, no one knows what the fuck it is. Right. And, and yet like, I, I feel like everyone is staring at me as I do this walk of shame to the bathroom. I mean, it's completely, it's, it's an outrage. It's really offensive. <laughs> well, and it's, it, the, this is the thing that's crazy, right? If you, if somebody was in that same restaurant and cut their arm oh, and yeah. they were bleeding out, yeah. would you tell them, oh, please go hide that. 
when you, would you mm-hmm. please go hide that? Let's, let's, oh, can you put that bandaid in your hand and hide it? And then slowly walk to the bathroom, checking every corner to make sure nobody sees that you have a bandaid in your hand. No, <laughs> no. You would be like, oh, my body's bleeding. I need to make sure I'm doing whatever I can to heal that part yeah. of my body. I'm going to be tender to it. I'm going to take good care of it. And for our vaginas, it's like, oh my God, please hide that. Please don't let anybody see it. Please don't let anybody, please nobody ever know that I'm bleeding right now, that my body is doing this magical process. Absolutely. Uh, or even fucking sex life. on the period. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and you know, sex on your period too is a whole taboo. Yeah. And you know, we started off this episode talking about vaginal dryness and yeah. this, this can, again, can be another big pill for people to swallow. So I say, go at your pace and do whatever is right for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but perhaps if vaginal dryness is something that you struggle with, consider trying to have sex on your period. If you haven't mm-hmm. done that before and talking to your partner about it, it's, it's really, sad that not only are women conditioned to feel shame for what our bodies naturally do or anyone who gets a period feeling shame for what their body naturally Mm -hmm. does but then a lot of partners and a lot of cisgendered male partners Mm -hmm. will also just be like oh but that's gross I wouldn't I I don't want to touch you on your period and it's this sort of mutual shame that we share and perpetuate between each other absolutely and um and so it's something to really consider for people like to really try playing with having sex on your period or masturbating on your period. And again, mm-hmm. I mean, most people spend at least the first 15 to 20 years of their lives, if not longer, being taught to have shame about their period. Yeah. So give yourself the space for grace and understand that it'll take years to also undo that. And that Correct. if yeah. you hearing me say have sex on your period and you're like, that is the worst idea I've ever heard since Mars. That's totally <laughs> fine. That's okay. Listen, the whole point is to listen to your process right. and you never have to have sex on your period if you don't want to. Right. But, um, but there is nothing wrong with being on your period and you aren't dirty. And actually I can only speak for myself, but when I have sex on my period, because my body is so much more sensitive, yeah. Ooh, the sex feels so good. And I tend I to actually have bigger orgasms. I agree. So, yes. I've, I've also done the same and I tend to enjoy it more. Yeah. When that well, is the case. Yeah. You just lay down a blanket so you don't, you know, so you don't get your furniture dirty and your handles. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, and I think it can build self-esteem for people yeah. who struggle with a wet, uh, with not getting as wet, mm-hmm. you know, that was something I struggled with for years. So anyone who's also listening, it is mm-hmm. completely possible to get to a place where you may not need to use lube that much. I don't really use it that much anymore, but I still have a container of virgin coconut oil beside my bed, which by the way, yeah, virgin coconut oil. It's the best. I think it's an incredible lube. Mm -hmm. Um, Do the safe skin test where you Mm -hmm. just take a little bit. Well, first off by virgin or unfiltered. I believe it's unfiltered. Unfiltered is virgin. Yes. yes, Yeah. Virgin. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I hate using the word virgin. I I think it's, it's, um, you know, like there's nothing wrong with virginity, but no. it's definitely the, the way we're taught about it is really disturbing. And pu- the, the purity hierarchy is very disturbing. Yes. 
But yeah, virgin or unfiltered coconut oil is an amazing lube. It's mm-hmm. affordable. It is innocuous. You know, mm-hmm. no, if you accidentally leave it out, ain't no one knowing that you used it for sex. Yeah. Um, but always do the safe skin test with any lube where basically you take just a little bit yeah. on your finger. And I recommend putting it on your wrist because mm-hmm. the skin on our wrist tends to be about um, as not as sensitive, but it is very sensitive the way yeah. a vulva or a penis would be or a butthole would be. Yeah. So you can see if you're going to break out in hives or if your mm-hmm. skin doesn't agree with it or, or whatnot. Yeah, that. And also I've heard under the armpit is also Ooh. another another place that's like, got, got, yeah, it's got a sense. It's got a very similar sensitivity level because the skin is Absolutely. thinner. It doesn't get exposed to the sun quite as much. Yeah. Um, you know, and got, it gets wet and it gets wet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can even see like, that's where I, used, I got like a chafing thing just to see. And I was like, mm. All right, let me put some under my armpit to see if it does anything. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great hack. That's yeah. A, that's, I love that. And by the way, we were talking about erotic wellness. Everything we were just talking about is erotic wellness. Yeah. Um, And erotic wellness doesn't just mean masturbating or buying coconut oil and being like, this is my new lube. Um, (laughs) Most people, although that's a great way to start. um, Most people are actually practicing erotic wellness and they don't even know. Mm -hmm. One really wonderful way that you are probably already practicing erotic wellness is by having a beauty routine in the morning or at night. Mm -hmm. Um, beauty routines are erotic wellness because they teach us to slow down, Mm -hmm. um, and take care of our bodies. And usually with a beauty routine, you're testing like, does this moisturizer work? Does that moisturizer work? So you're actually learning how to create a relationship (laughs) of trust with your body. And, um, all of these practices are erotic wellness, anything that's, that helps us slow down, anything that helps us connect to our body and listen Mm -hmm. to our body. These are all erotic wellness. Mm -hmm. Um, so you don't have to go and try and be a freak in the sheets. If that's not your thing, you're probably already practicing erotic wellness. Even meditation could be considered erotic wellness. A hundred percent. It's erotic wellness. Oh yeah. Meditation. 100%. Sex can be a very meditative experience. You know, people who, um, really enjoy Tantra, which quick thing, Tantra is not just all about sex. Yeah. A lot of experts view Tantra as sort of the sister practice to yoga. Mm -hmm. And if I were to explain it in a sentence, I'd say Tantra is a very esoteric ancient religion or not religion, but it's an ancient practice could be considered a religion that is about the body and about pleasure. Yeah. So that's why sex has been so deeply connected to Tantra, but they are not mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. However, when we think of meditation, Tantra is a way that uses breath work and meditation mm-hmm. to help slow down sex and make mm-hmm. it a more pleasurable experience. So if you are practicing meditation on a regular basis, even though it's not with the intention of something being erotic, that is erotic wellness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because you're teaching your body to slow down. You're getting in tune yeah. with your body. You're connecting, you know, the, the esoteric brain to the physical brain in a way. Yeah. You know? Oh Yeah. Well, speaking of those, I mean, there's um, this really cool bundle of scientists who created this institution called the Math, the Heart Math Institute, I believe it's called. Mm. And they basically have found, so our brain, the reason why our brain can think and process is because it has neurons. And they are basically finding that the heart also has neurons. And we found 40,000 neurons so far in the heart. And they're basically, I mean, they have proven some other scholars and scientists want them to have a little bit more proof than they have. But Mm -hmm. in my book, 
they are already starting to really show that the heart is another brain Mm -hmm. and that humans do have two different brains. And I think a lot of people who are deeply feminine or were raised in condition to be a woman will kind of get that right off the bat because we, whether it's social conditioning or nature, whatever you want to call it, tend to be a more um, emotionally connected human on this earth. And Mm so I find that most women or women identified people and trans non-binary people, basically not, not men (laughs) tend to be be the people who really understand that right off the bat. But funnily enough, all of, uh, I think all the scientists at the HeartMath Institute are men. So, Mm -hmm. you know, which is also a lovely dichotomy. (laughs) They're they're doing a thing there. They're trying. That is so fucking cool though. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. I believe. And I've heard that there are studies to prove the same thing about the gut, that there is also neurons in the gut as well. Yeah. And that it's like where there are three different brain centers in our body. And that's why you have gut feeling. That's why you have, you know, heart feeling. That's why you have, you know, the thought like it's, it's all we're, we're learning so much. And that's the coolest thing about it. And it's like, for me, magic is just science. We haven't proved yet. Exactly. I I agree. I mean, I completely agree. Mm -hmm. Especially whenever I read a fantasy book, I'm like, that just sounds like science with a a wand. (laughs) That's exactly right. Well, science is magic in my opinion. You know, the fact that we can go to a doctor and we can see, you know, a woman who is pregnant goes to a doctor and there's a machine that they've created that they've made with their own two hands. Somebody's made with their own two hands that can then see inside the uterus to make sure the baby's okay. That's fucking magic to me. Oh, that's absolutely. magic. You know? Absolutely. Can you imagine the first time, you know, somebody put a light bulb up and they were like, here, look at this crazy cool thing I created. And they're like, witch, witch, you know, like that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember what was I watching the other day? I was watching some period piece and it was um, in the episode, like electricity had just, it was like a thing. Yeah. And it was fascinating because all of the actors in the period piece had to be like, oh, this is horrible. We hate it. Yeah. It's going to take a look at this artificial light. It's not natural it's not a candle and and it was so funny because I'm like yeah I'm sure people said that when electricity came in and they Uh were like candles are the way why are we why are we using this other thing it's horrible and now in modern times we have our own version of you know absolutely that disdain (laughs) absolutely completely well that's I mean even I had somebody I was talking to somebody the other day and they were asking me what I did and I mentioned the fact that I'm a witch and they were like Mm. oh well then he's like but I heard that you can like if you do anything that it comes back to you threefold. And I was like, well, yeah, that's, that's, that can be a thing that happens. Absolutely. And he was yeah. like, well, why can't you just be a good person? I was like, well, that's part of it. But if you're putting good energy out there for everybody and it else, comes back. and yeah. it comes back threefold, then you're doing good for both parties. So I don't understand, like, are you just afraid that could be it? And he, like, it seemed to freak him out a lot. And I was like, well, then this is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I, I said that to him. I was like, your reaction is exactly why. Because yeah. you don't understand it. And that's my, no, that's totally. my job is to get Absolutely. you to come to a place where you grasp this a little more and can understand why I do what I do. And you don't even have to understand. You just have to understand that it's something that I do. And that's okay. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, the first time we talked, I was telling you, and I'm sure this is the same, Mm -hmm. like when you lead with the fact that you're a witch, Mm -hmm. but when people find out what I do, you know, the word sex, it just activates people. Yeah. Sometimes that's great. Sometimes it's not, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it, but that's a part of the job. And I think, you know, going, saying, telling someone, Oh, I'm a witch. It's the same thing. It's going to activate people. I think the word witch, um, it totally activates people because sure people does. either want to put it in the box of fantasy and it belongs on a TV show yeah. and that's the extent of it. And then the other end of the spectrum is, I mean, we still haven't gotten over a lot of the subliminal inherited trauma and messaging we got even from the Salem witch trials and yeah. what it means to be a pure person in the United States and mm-hmm. then witch trials in the, in Europe. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's, we're trying. <laughs> we are. <laughs> yes, we are. And it seems to, yeah. it's, it's, we seem to be making more headway than I remember us making even five years ago, which oh, is yeah. amazing. And I feel yeah, like since absolutely. the pandemic where everybody had a chance to slow down and really kind of figure themselves out, it's like the, the witchcraft boom has happened where yeah. so many people are like, oh, maybe this is for me. Maybe this is something I do want to actually experience. Or learn about like, oh, it isn't just on TV. It's not like you wave a magic wand and shit happens. That's not quite what it is, but it's like, I just thought it would be so cool if that was true. Girl, every day I wish. (laughs) (laughs) Every day I'm like, I just want to, I just want Harry Potter's powers. That's all I want. Uh, Oh, I know. I know. I want Harry Potter's uh, powers, but not his problems. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) His powers, but not his destiny. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So what services do you offer um, as a sex educator? Yeah, well, I um, I love doing, I love making sex education fun. So mm-hmm. um, I offer erotic wellness soirees. So I'm based in Los Angeles um, for anyone who's listening. So I tend to try to do those in person. Um, and I, you know, that's a little bit of sex ed, a little bit of kind of figuring out how people want to evolve with the time we have together. They're usually about two to three hours. And like I said, I'm actionable. So it's like, I try to give people the sex ed they didn't get in school, but yeah. then as a group, I'm also like, okay, why did we come here today? Yeah. What can we evolve? Where do you feel like you are at in your sexual liberation journey? Yeah. And what's just one step forward we can take? together as a group. I think yeah. group work is so powerful. It is. Um, and yeah. And then if someone wants to know how to play with me, but they aren't in LA, um, I love also doing group mentorship sessions and those can be virtual or in person. Um, it, I've found, and well, studies also prove this, but when you listen to other people discuss sex, it really normalizes the experience of hearing other people's preferences and being okay with that. So when you're in the bedroom with a partner and you hear that they really love anal sex and maybe Mm -hmm. three days ago you were talking at brunch with your friends about anal sex, it'll make it less shocking in the moment with your partner. So that's one reason why I like to do group work because I usually find in a group of friends and group work, by the way, is usually a group of friends who already know each other, who found me and are like, can we do a session together? And, um, usually in the group, there's always one person who's sort of like a, like sex in the city again, who's sort of a Charlotte who's Mm -hmm. like, I don't talk about this. And then there's always someone who's sort of a Samantha or sort of a Carrie or sort of a Miranda who's a little bit more open, Mm -hmm. but it's great because having these women, um, or people together, however they identify, um, who already trust each other really helps dig in and gives everybody a breakthrough that they can step away with. 
Um, and then I also write articles and I, um, you can find my articles on medium.com. Um, you can find me at pleasure science on medium, um, or Instagram, but, um, I have eBooks and articles, which is just another way that I try to get, you know, sex positive thinking out there. Um, I like to tell people I'm a sex scholar who will make you think, you may not always like what I have to say, which is a good thing because mm-hmm. again, everything is unique. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope to activate people's brains and get them thinking about themselves yes. and what they like and what they need and give them at least a couple tips to help them get on their way. Like having the erotic play date that yeah. most folks just wouldn't even think of. And you can do whatever the hell you want with your erotic play date, right? Yeah. It's But someone, unfortunately, in our culture, usually you need someone else to give you sort of that permission or that idea to really step forward into that way. Um, Oh, and then the other thing I enjoy teaching about and talking about is BDSM. Mm -hmm. I actually trained to be a dominatrix for two years. That's right. And (laughs) yep. And I love, um, so I teach a lot about erotic communication Mm -hmm. and I learned most of that stuff as a kinkster BDSM person. And I also just love incorporating a lot of the things that we do in BDSM into people's regular erotic sexual routines. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that every single ethical BDSM encounter has that sex, regardless of, you know, if you like kink or not should have is something called aftercare. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of aftercare crystal, have, but it's, yes. oh yeah, yes, I know I you're giving me the big nods. Yeah. Um, so aftercare, <laughs> aftercare for anyone who is listening is basically, so before you have sex, um, both people will discuss cause in BDSM, it can be an intense scenario. So if crystal and I were going to do a BDSM scene together, um, one thing I would ask her is, Oh, how do you like to feel cherished? How do you like to, um, feel connected and feel safe after the sex is done or after the BDSM is done. Mm -hmm. BDSM does not always have to include sex. And then that, and then you two can talk, whether it's you and your partner or a casual partner or whatever, but you basically discuss each other's emotional and physical needs after sex. A lot of people get really triggered by disconnected sex. It doesn't matter what your gender is. I was actually talking with a male identified client a couple days ago, and he was talking to me about how he had a very kinky encounter with this girl. He really liked her. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, she was like, okay, bye, and left after the sex. And she she just left. And he was so hurt and he thought he would never see her again. They ended up dating and, and, um, she did end up coming back. And then she, he ended up finding out that she just, that's how she protects herself. Yeah. But he was so hurt. Yeah. And, um, and so a lot of people are really triggered by disconnected sex. And even in your, if you're in a relationship, right. Mm -hmm. Um, it can happen regardless because life is hectic. And so knowing what people need with aftercare can really nip that in the bud. Cause you can tell your partner like, Hey, I just need like five minutes of cuddling after sex, or I just want us to like drink water together, um, or clean up the space together. Mm -hmm. I I find that that's a big one that a lot of women would wish that their, you know, male heterosexual partners would kind of pick up on more is like, Hey, if you made the bed after sex, I would just feel supported. Um, and that's what aftercare is. It's so simple, but it's, pretty profound because Mm -hmm. it helps people feel listened to and heard. And something that we know from science is that there is 
no such thing as um, a emotional sex. All right. sex is an emotional experience. Even casual sex is all about emotions. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that we consider people's emotional needs, even in a casual sex situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. Aftercare is, is something that my partner and I actually do for each other. And that it actually kind of happened instinctually, which was really nice. Mm. And that was a new one for me because I feel like people, sex is such an, it can be a lot of times such an intense experience. And even if it isn't a crazy intense experience, like you're talking about, it is an emotional experience. And after that, there is aftercare that's needed. It's like going to therapy and not knowing how to take care of yourself after you've gone through a really intense session. Yeah. And that's erotic wellness. Yeah, yeah, right there, baby. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So if, if anyone wants to figure out how to add aftercare to their regular sex routine or whatnot, yeah. d- you know, going over the basics of erotic and empowered communication is also one of the things I do. And, and I do, I love doing group work, but I do private consultations from time to time. And usually those are always about just like how to learn how to discuss your erotic needs, whether you're single or partnered or what have you. That's so rad. That is freaking cool. I just love yeah. that. Yeah. Listen, so communication is lubrication, y'all. It is. Like, In every sense of the word. Yeah. Especially since sex can be so stressful. We could put so much pressure on ourselves that just finding the ways to talk about it can alleviate so you would be surprised as what that would just the tension that will release from your body and expectations around sex well it's that I feel like that applies to almost every area of life too like if we communicated more about not only how we're feeling but where we're at that would make so much of a difference in our day-to-day lives, in our society, everything. Like if people were just more upfront about what's really happening with them, what's really going on. And it's not to say that you have to be a complete open book and like blab it to everybody you know, but for those that you're in a very committed relationship with, I'll be a friendship or a partnership or whatever it is, having somebody that you know that you can communicate to and get things off your chest, no matter what that is, is so important, you know? And that's, it's yeah. like the, that book, The Body Keeps the Score that I mention yes. all the time. You Love know? that book. Such a good book. If you haven't yeah. read it, I really highly recommend it because it it shows you how much our mental state and our thought processes and our, you know, our repressions mm-hmm. show up and our traumas, all of it shows up in our body. It shows up in yeah. our physical health. Our mental health and our physical health are so intimately connected. And that's yeah. a new concept for a lot of people. You know, that's hundred percent, hundred percent, crazy, crazy, cool shit. Oh, I love it. So since this is the witch podcast, I have to ask (laughs) what is the witchiest or the spookiest thing that's ever happened to you? Oh, um, I was slapped in the face by a ghost once. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty, it was, it was pretty interesting. I was, I, I was reading Harry Potter This must have been, um, I think I was 14 at the time. It was Harry Potter and the Triwizard Tournament. And it was like three in the morning, couldn't put the book down. And I felt something in my room and I looked up and I didn't see anything. But I, looking back, I could definitely, I like looked directly where whatever it was, was. Mm -hmm. And then I felt just this complete gust of wind flash past my face as if I was just being hit in the face. Um, and it was, it was so in this, in the moment, it was super scary because I was just sort of like, all my 
all my, like, there's no, I don't have a fan on, all my windows are closed. Um, there's no wind. Yeah. <laughs> like, where the hell did this wind come from? Um, and I remember putting the book down and just sleeping with the lights on for the rest of the night. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I just got and I still don't by really a know. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I still don't really know what that was. Um, and I, I've actually had since then, um, I, I, cause I'm a pretty spiritual person and yeah. I am able to connect to people who passed, especially my mother passed away and my grandmother passed away. So now oh, that's ex- that. very, I know it's, it's sad. Mm. <laughs> I don't feel as sad about it cause I can talk to them. Yeah. Um, but, um, they, ever since they passed, I've been way more connected to that part of my life. But at that time when I got bitch slapped by this random ghost, <laughs> Um, I was 14, everybody that was like, I hadn't experienced a significant loss yet. So yeah. I was just like, the fuck is this bullshit? <laughs> like, <laughs> what the hell? Um, and I still don't know. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that was. <laughs> it was preparing you for opening that, that up for yeah, you. For maybe, later that's, life. <laughs> maybe that's what it was. Cause I'm like, what did I do to you? Do you love that it happened while you were reading Harry Potter? Cause I'm just yeah. having this like image of nearly headless Nick. just like coming by and bitch. Yeah. Laughing. <laughs> oh my God. And it was funny. Cause I was like near the end of the book. I couldn't put it down. I was, and uh-huh. I was like, I can't keep reading this book. And I can't I have to turn off the lights. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is, uh, this is a weird turn. That is so cool. I love stuff like that. I love things that we can't explain because it makes you totally. wonder. It keeps you totally. curious. Absolutely. I'm just like, I still don't know what that was. That was a very, there was no wind, man. Girl, like I love three shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No oh, the witching hour. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. So uh, do you have any like workshops, special events, anything like that coming up? I tend to book, um, private events. Um, so because it's, it's, I like to hold space for people to have a great sexual empowerment experience, yeah. but with the erotic wellness soiree, I mean, I love booking bachelorette parties for that because again, it's really nice to work with a group of friends. Yeah. So, um, sometimes I'll host soirees in Los Angeles and they'll be open. Um, I usually cap it to about 15 people. Cause mm-hmm. again, I want it to be intimate. Yeah. Um, but I also try to book it with, um, or I have booked mastermind groups, like musicians will be like, we want to access it. Oh, cause creativity and sexuality, by the way, very, very heavily linked. We didn't have Extremely. the time to get into that today, yeah. but if you want to go down a Google wormhole of some fun pleasure science, that's a yeah. really cool topic. Um, so I work with creatives and I've worked with mastermind groups or entrepreneurs. So um, I tend to either get booked by groups who already know each other and mm-hmm. we go in and do that work or I'll host um, my own soirees in Los Angeles. So you can mm-hmm. follow me on Instagram at pleasure science to see if or when another one is going to be open. Um, or just, or figure out if you want to book me, but, um, but yeah. And then other than that, you can always find my eBooks. Um, I try to release fun new, I I like to have eBooks because there's such an affordable way to just reach people, give people things that they can do from home if they're not able to, to book me in person, um, or virtually. So that's, that's the gist of it. I love that one. I love what you said because creativity and sexuality are crazy mixed. I mean, it's so it's even linked. completely, well, even the sacral chakra is the seat of sexuality, eroticism yeah. and creativity. It's all yeah. about creation. You know? Oh yeah. So yeah. And look at just all of your favorite musicians or actors or actresses. Mm-hmm. Those people are so fucking sexual. It's not yeah. even yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. 
There's a magnetism yeah. there. It creates a magnetism. Yeah. It's so true. It's I about just being that. in the flow. I Correct. think if you're oh, in the creative completely. flow, because being in having sex is being in your flow. I'm sure yeah. anyone listening, when you've had a great masturbation or partnered sex experience, you're in a flow. Yeah. And when you're in a creative flow too. So being able to channel that flow mm-hmm. is, is really beneficial, but I feel like you and I could just talk for like, oh, I know. I'm like, we could, <laughs> this podcast will be like 12 hours long. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to have you back as our sex expert. I love that. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to, yeah, we have so many, there's so many other things to talk about. Oh yeah. yeah. This is the first of many, many times. <laughs> Well, and, um, do you have any, just to close up, do you have any words of wisdom for new seekers, new witches, people finding their path, people looking for their erotic wellness? Yeah. Well, for any new witches or any new people who are wanting to just feel like a more healthy, empowered sexual being, I'm a big proponent of setting an intention before you masturbate. Mm -hmm. So, and this is one thing that is quote unquote sex magic, if Mm -hmm. you're interested in that, but even if you're not interested in that, Mm -hmm. um, sex and orgasm um, is a release, right? Mm -hmm. So a really great thing to do, I do this all the time. If I've had a really stressful day Mm -hmm. um, and I am horny and I want to masturbate, I will set the intention to release stress, release Mm -hmm. the stress from my day. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll masturbate. And of course with everything, the point of masturbation is not orgasm and you can experience the release without having an orgasm. So if you had a stressful day, you set that intention and you're not having an orgasm, take some breaths, maybe pause, come back, and then just feel out how it will release in your body in another way, because it Mm. is releasing. Um, and then another great intention is to feel intimacy. Um, especially as someone who's currently single, this is a way that I kind of build intimacy with myself. And when I set the intention of intimacy, I find that my kind of sex dream that gets me hot and bothered during masturbation is so much more loving. And I can not always, sometimes it it doesn't work. Sometimes it does like all things. Right. So, um, but yeah, setting intentions before sex is great and it can really build my intimacy with myself. Um, and your brain is your biggest sex organ. Mm -hmm. So setting an intention before sex, that's where the science kind of comes in. Setting an intention before sex, if being quote unquote a sex witch is not your thing, it's still a very like science backed, really great, healthy thing for you to do. Um, So that's, that's one tip I would say. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. That's really beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's something that I love to do as well. Cause it is, it's such a big release of energy and there's a lot of power and there's a lot of energy obviously. And then there's, there's a lot that you can actually release or, you know, work up to there's, I've heard of people like manifesting really crazy things after doing like a a sex magic session with that, like an intention. Oh, it's very, very cool. Absolutely. Well, Nadej, thank you so, so much for being with us today. This has been absolutely incredible. You are a fucking goddess. <laughs> oh, thank you. You are too. I, I loved being here. Our conversation was so good. I feel like yeah. there were so many tips for people who may be new to all of this. And that's yeah. what you and I, in our, in our ways, that's what we do. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely, girl. Breaking down barriers. Get that Berlin Wall down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, witches, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. I hope you had as much fun as I did. For more on my guests this week, head on over to the show notes to find links to connect with them and see all of the magic that they have to offer. 
As always, you can find links to connect with me in the show notes as well. I hang out on Instagram most of the time, so head on over to Insta, check out my pages, and see all the witchy stuff that I'm up to. Finally, I would love to give a very special witchy shout-out to Brie Banuelos and Jason Andrews for the kick-ass intro and outro music for this podcast. You both are insanely talented, and I'm so grateful to be able to use a little piece of your brilliance. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, ciao witches.